Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production, available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. You know, I pride myself on telling it the way I see it. Fezzik had one of the best podcasts ever, ever. He was just on fire. I mean, fun stuff, yeah, but the knowledge. And now's the time. In fact, we had a trend, 7-0, and a very simple, logical preseason trend, 7-0 and so far this preseason. And there's sure money to be made in the preseason. But you got to have outs. If you have zero outs, well, you better get one if you want to bat, right? A lot of you don't bat. That's great. I love that we have so many non-batters listening because it's a Vegas is a lifestyle in a way, but it's a, it's a mindset. Vegas is a mindset. And if you do bet, though, going from that first to second out, vital. Second to third, vital. Now, once you get three, everyone helps. But I'm going to be honest. It's not as important. So ask yourself, how many do I have? Do I want another one? Bet DSI sponsors a lot of shows on Podcast One. They obviously really value, which is our platform, they obviously really value the dream preview. And you guys, the response for over a year now has been outstanding. You've heard this before. So you ha- if you haven't acted for those, the question is when to act. Well, it's hard to say there's going to be a better time than now. One, it's got the 100% bonus match. So it's promo code BELL101. That's easy. BLL 101. That's double your money before you even start. Now, what's the two possibilities once you do that? BetDSI.com, Bell 101. What's one? You love it. Oh, wow. Okay. You've added another book. How valuable is that? Very. Other possibility? Don't love it. I don't think that's likely, but it's possible. But with the bonus, it lets you play through enough where theoretically you're going to break about even. Now, if you win more than 50%, you'll win money even then. But let's say you broke even. If I told you half the time you gained something, if I gave you a scratch-off ticket, I said half the time you're going to gain something very valuable, half the time you're going to break even theoretically, and by the way, you get the ticket for free. Who's going to say no? That's effectively what this offer is. Because of the 100% bonus, in the playthrough, the number of times you got to turn it over, in theory, you're either going to find a book that you like to add to your arsenal, very valuable, or if you hit 50%, you're going to break even by the time you consider the bonus and the turnover. That means it's a free roll. you got all upside, theoretically. It's the kind of bets I like. It's the kind of bets I make. BetDSI.com. Help the pod also. Don't do it just for that, but it does. Bell 101 promo code, 100% bonus, double your money. Now, talk about money. Listen close. Great pod up next. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. That's right. And we have the second week of NFL preseason and more edition of the Wise Guy Roundtable. To my left, Brad Powers. To my right, Steve Fezzik. 
I'm R.J. Bow. It's going to be a hell of a show, guys. A hell of a show. Hard Knocks recap. We've got a trend in the preseason, 7-0 and so far, and it is as logical. I, I don't think something could be more logical no. than this trend. And Fez and I have bet it against each other. One of us bucked this trend. We'll see where Brad and we're, and we're gonna see <laughs> we're gonna see because we bet it on the radio show for the hunter, but on the dream preview, the stakes go up. This is hold on, hold on. They're playing with the green button. This would be an extra three hundred on it. We're gonna find out if Fez is willing to take it. If not, you're gonna have to back off and say my your kung fu is better than my kung fu. That Dak Prescott, Andrew Luck injured. Where have I heard that before? Eli, a prop so sharp I gave you guys that you can't even bet it anymore. <laughs> That's a sharp prop. And best bets. And a little talk about sports radar and their big NFL contract next week. Maddie Holt's going to join. And by the way, part two. Remember, it was like Apollo Creed, Rocky Balboa. Ain't going to be no rematch. Don't want one. Right? One of the great lines in movie history. Ain't going to be no rematch. And just instantly, don't want one. Yeah. <laughs> now that's a fight. Dave Essler in studio versus Maddie Holt next week. <laughs> Part two. Everyone wanted a rematch on that one. They just don't like each other. They try. They smile. They try to act like they do. They don't. You notice that, right, Faz? Yeah, by Rocky too. Any place, anytime. Let's go, Stallion. Right? Oh, jeez, Faz, <laughs> Faz. I mean, there we go. <laughs> Bananas. <laughs> you know, that's what's funny is we're going to have to set a Fez trend line or not trend line, but grading on a curve, because really for him, that was on point Yeah, for almost anyone else. It's all kind of off. You were off a show last week, straight out of Vegas, <laughs> and he had a movie reference from the movie Signs that came out. No, two. It stunned me. Oh, with uh, about the alien. Yeah, I what, couldn't believe what, he saw it. He was like, swing away, Meryl, swing away. I was like, I was stunned. We're talking I about even the, talk. there's going to be a Field of Dreams uh, a game for the Yankees next year in Iowa, and they're going to have cornfields. And Jonas talked about, oh, the Signs movie. And then I said, swing away, Merrill. So the, was, is this M. Night Shyamalan? Yeah. I remember yeah. That? yeah. And, and it Mel was, uh, yep. And who? And Mel Gibson was the main okay, actor. Okay, that's what I remembered. I've seen that. Okay. But I don't remember any lines from yeah, it. Yeah, I was stunned that he knew that. Bad. But if you've only seen eight movies. It yeah, helps. That You're was from 02. I thought everything past 1989 was... You'd it's be like Jonas has read eight books. He remembers <laughs> every one of them. <laughs> I had a friend of mine, or he's still a very good friend of mine. He's the brother of uh, Tom who runs our sales. And uh, he's a very intelligent fellow. But he wasn't a hard worker academically. So he ended up going to Ohio State and graduating. You know, but he should have graduated probably with a three six, but he had like a three one, you know, that kind of dude. And he loved the book Atlas Shrugged, which is like over a thousand pages. Now, that's a book that's kind of political these days because 
A lot of the libertarians love that book, uh, like Peter Thiel. Um, I think it's a, it's, it was a very influential book when I was a kid. I mean, I read it in high school and it was like a very precocious, I was very precocious to read it, but it was very influential. But listen, when you're 16 years old and you're smart, it's easy to be self-reliant, you know, and that's what the book's about. Like, you know, the self-reliance. And then you, you know, you get the flu or you get sick and it's always it's like, man, I'm happier someone here to help me. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those, like the famous line, you know, pity the 20 year old that's a Republican or the 50 year old that's a Democrat, that there's a certain evolution in life. Now, a lot of old Democrats are going to hate that and young Republicans like Alex P. Keaton. But I think in general, people get more conservative just the way it is. And I think Atlas Shrugged is certainly a young man's book, but he never finished it. And he would talk about it nonstop. I'm like, when are you going to finish that book? <laughs> so, so to this day, is it's it, I'll be reading anything and, you know, be like, oh, no. And it's like, you should finish Atlas Shrugged. He is so mad. <laughs> All right, let's get to the action. Showtime! Woo! Okay, hard knocks. Fez... And we, we have the benefit of Straight out of Vegas where we did like 20 minutes on this. We're going to get it done like in six because we're getting to the meat of it. You had a takeaway that I think is wrong. You're sticking by. Yeah, Gruden looks so engaged. He looks so young and, and energetic and into it. And he's everything that I want in a football coach. RJ, so often... I watch football coaches. Things aren't going so well. They're just staring into space, you know, like not talking to anyone. And Gruden is just yelling and screaming at people and like, we got to fix this. We got to do that. I loved what I saw out of Gruden. And I think on the surface, you're absolutely right. The question is, he's a master performer. If anything, the takeaway after episode two was, hey, he's a star. Yep. There's a reason he was the highest paid guy at ESPN. Yeah. You know, and I get why there's criticism uh, amongst the media because here's a guy that was a, not a professional media guy stepped in and was good or some would say better than anyone at media. And listen, just from the limited amount of, of uh, video stuff I've done, a few sizzle reels, the ballers thing, whatever, you get around that stuff a little bit. You just get a feel, where's the camera? You know, I look a little better with my chin this way or there's just it's just like anything else. You get reps and Gruden, whatever kind of performer he was historically. And I think he always was a guy. There's a reason they offered him the job on Monday Night Football. He was a performer. Yep. Right. He, he had a lot of reps. Right. So now he's next level when it comes to being able to be a coach who is photogenic in this spot, but it's not even about good look. I don't think he looks, I think he looks a little chunky to be honest. Like I oh, never yeah. thought of him as chunky Yep. again. I mean, you know, I'm not saying I'm Tony Atlas here, but <laughs> well, that's an old reference. Yeah, I guess. It is. Mm. Damn. <laughs> but the reality is that this guy knows how to present. And so my question to you, Fez is, is that what he truly is? Or is it what he wants you to think he is? And you may have me on that. And maybe Gruden's fooled me. And again, as a professional presenter, that's what he's supposed to do. All right. So, Brad, 
lot of people are are loving, you know, I think loving the the Hollywood, right? Hollywood Hogan. It was like, what's Hollywood mean? That guy's Hollywood. Yeah, glitter, glitz. But you're more wonkish. I am, and I'm not learning it much. And it's about you know, from Hard Knocks, we're getting an inside look at an NFL organization, unlike what we see typically. The NFL is not this type of league like that opens up the doors. And I, I want to gather information. I want to gather edges when it comes to the betting market. And I'm just not getting it like I did last year when the Hard Knocks was with the Browns. We were inside coaches' meetings. Uh, we were, you know, looking inside the GM offices when he's bringing in players, whether or not to cut them or not. We're, I'm just not getting that so far in the first couple episodes. Maybe it's coming, but I haven't oh, come learned on, anything. Maybe it's coming. If anything, you would have seen it early when there's less natural storyline. Yeah. Right. Like, to me, episode one has the... The least, you know, last episode was the least natural storylines. And when they have the, the guys going to the dude ranch or whatever to ride the horses, <laughs> yeah. it's probably a sign they could have slipped a little board work in there. I agree. And they didn't. They didn't. So they're not going to as the cuts are happening and stuff. You would think, I mean, we know in, in 2019 in modern media, niche offerings are more appealing. So... There must be little to no interest because you think there'd be an <laughs> Amazon streaming show that's doing what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't know. what, the, But in a weird way, remember, I think it was the conflict amongst the coaches yes. on the Browns that they were dramatizing, not so much the board work. That was... You are correct with that. Now, you do realize, and this is going to sound funny, but it's not, you probably would benefit greatly for picking one camp a year a coaching clinic and going to it and i'll be candid i i mean it's just because of a couple people i know but i'm one coach removed from every coach in the country meaning that if if you name any coach i you know seven degrees of separation you know one degree i know someone that knows that if i don't know him not that i know a ton but you know again when you know the stoops is and just there you're gonna know everyone right so i mean you should think about like they have some great. There's some great clinics where it's like a two day. You you've seen these? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I you know I've worked a bunch of them because back you know when I was you know in my twenties I would go and hang out and work a little bit and I never got paid. So I'm not sure I should say I worked them, but I was helping. Yeah, and because it was fun to hang out with the coaches because to me that's a lot of my college uh, you know general knowledge is about picking the brains of these coaches. What do you think about, you know, and this has been, this was years ago where I did more of it, but it was just last year. Uh, I think it was Sonny Dykes. Right? Yeah, it was Sonny Dykes. Yeah, for sure. I was at dinner with and um, who's one of the real offensive minds. Absolutely. And I just spent the whole, in fact, we were tentatively planning a podcast series. We still should do that. We just come to Vegas for three days and we do like 10 hours on the board because I would learn so much. But, uh, that's something we could set up. I'm sure we could get fought. I mean, we could probably get you comped into one. You should think about it. Oh, I don't have to think about it. I'm all well, in. Then every year, just pick right. one. Because, I mean, you know, Leach, you obviously would want. I mean, there's the certain minds, you know. And these guys, and that's the funny thing. You might think a Leach wouldn't give the stuff away. There is a community of sharing with the coaches. Now, there's some, like Belichick, that's not as inclined to do that, it seems like. But. Like, even a guy like Leach will go up on that board and explain what he's thinking. Now, it's got to hurt. The theory is it's hurting him if a D.C. is looking at that. 
But by the same token, if everyone's doing, it's almost like uh, PEDs. If everyone's on PEDs or nobody's on PEDs, it's the same. Yep. Right? Effectively, no one has an edge. So if, if the whole coaching community agrees, I'm just going to share some stuff, or no one shares anything, that would that, be the same. I guess if you're more innovative, you'd be giving up more. So it would not, I, I guess, that, but I, yeah, so. Yeah, but I think there's a culture they mostly share. I mean, I even read That's stories. what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I was even saying, Belichick, I read, you know, Saban's, he's visiting with Irma Meyer. Well, hold on, hold Saban. on. He's usually visiting. They are visiting with Belichick. Oh, I don't see that often. Really? No, I always hear about him taking trips to All right. Chip Kelly. No, I'm not saying yeah, I'm you're right. right. You're right. I'm not saying I'm you're right. right. Yeah. I'm just saying, and again, Belichick can probably give you 10. I mean, save and save. But with most coaches, Belichick's going to give you 10%. You're going to give him 100, and it's a fair deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he probably doesn't have to give you everything, yeah. right? And again, I don't know. If, maybe it's just me projecting the Belichick seems like the type he wouldn't tell you as much as you might. Because, again, but but actually, there's a book out there that I ordered, and I swore I was going to read it this offseason, and I didn't. But it's like a 450-page book. I think I talked about it about, eight, about 15 months ago. 450-page book where Belichick sat down with a writer and went through a bunch of, like, that much football. And Saban did the same. They both did with the same author. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to, yeah, I'm going to have to find, I got the physical copy of it, but I don't remember the name. But, and obviously the Mike Lombardi book uh, is one that a lot, you know, it's, I think a little more accessible that a lot of people like. That he, you know, he kind of connected football to life, kind of like we do Vegas to life, but not a lot of X's and O's. My big takeaway from Hard Knocks was how sympathetically they treated Antonio Brown. Now, what is the? We always say you got to know the game you're gonna pl- you're playing. What's the rules? How do you win? How do you win if you're HBO? Big ratings, subscriptions a little different, but viral. You want branding through viral distribution, buzz, <laughs> and. You know, ratings and buzz, I guess is the way to say it. So now the question is, what were you looking forward to, Fez, Brad? What were you looking forward to coming into Hard Knocks Episode 2? Antonio uh, Brown, right? Yeah, absolutely it was. I want to see how the, the players were reacting to him, the coaches. Yes. Maybe if, you know, Gruden would make a couple comments, and, you know, like, we got to get this guy in here exactly. type of thing. Or maybe the players are rolling their eyes. Where's A.B.? Where's A.B.? Pull back the curtain a little bit on how this injury happened to his toes, get a little more insider it, information. Like someone pressing him on it? Like how did this happen? It was literally, if it was an Oakland Raider production, <laughs> they couldn't have treated him any more gingerly. It was either saying not. They said enough where you couldn't act like he wasn't, you know, they showed the feet. It's like he showed it on Instagram. So yeah. obviously he didn't object to that. So my question is why and how? Because it wasn't in the interest of HBO. To whatever degree this show, episode two, has buzz. It's less because that stuff wasn't included. No question. Agree. So to me, it's one of two things. Somehow Gruden had enough stroke, as they say, that he's able to negotiate final cut or whatever. I can't imagine he's watching the final cut. You know, go no, take that out. Who knows though? 
Number two is HBO figures. Our we're not this isn't is this journalism is hard no. I know journalism and that lines become blurred in 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 the modern era. Is ESPN journalism? Well, Don Van Natta is is you know is 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 a radio guy. No, that's opinion. Well, okay. So where's the line? Nobody knows, right? They they're teaching classes at Columbia about this, trying to figure it out. And I'm not sure there's even a consensus answer. To be honest with you. I think most people don't want to be journalists because that means you can do whatever you want, it seems like. You will often hear Colin talk about, I'm not a journalist. Why? Because it frees him from those rules, from those expectations. We know hard knocks isn't journalism. Yep. So they're doing it for a reason. To me, you think about the teams you'd want to see on hard knocks next year, Fez. Who jumps out at you? I... Wasn't ready for the question. Let me think about well, it. Well, take your time. Let's just we'll <laughs> let we'll let the crowd get a feel. We'll let the uh, listeners get a feel of the way you think. Who would you like to see on Hard Browns, Patriots? Those would be the top two. Steelers for me. You done? Yeah. I wasn't ready. For that. <laughs> That's great. Okay. I agree. Patriots, obviously. I think Steelers just because they've, you know. And But the funny thing is, other than the Browns, and again, I agree. That's, uh, you know, let's be candid. There are certain teams you'd want to see. I mean, first off, that's an interesting question. How many hard knocks would there be before you didn't watch them all? Mm. Meaning if there were six hard knocks, so meaning they have six different teams, six hours a week. Okay. Would you watch all six? Mm. Assuming they were six of the best teams. And yeah, so, so you get to pick the teams. This yeah. Is, yeah. One a night. Yeah. You right. do an hour a night. Yep. I agree with that. Think about that. So, I mean, I would, I'd love to see the Browns this year and see what the Raiders yep. are doing. You know, obviously, I don't know if it's financial, you know, whatever. And it's one of those things, too, we've seen with college football. You can keep thinking more is good, and then at a certain point, it's not when it's Mac on Tuesday with a line of 17. <laughs> so that's where gambling is the savior. So Steelers never done it. Patriots never done it. I don't think the Packers have, have they? I don't think so, no. So, uh, the real organizations, the historic ones, and it's not just a story, but the ones today that you say these are the best run. You never see them. Now, I know there's some veto power, but then sometimes it gets overridden. I don't know, right? But here's what I know. The more that this Hard Knocks feels like a promotional video and a Oakland Raiders production, the better chance someone on the no list column, the no column next year, is in the yes. Yes. And I think they're attempting to, HBO, Hard Knocks producers, seem like a sympathetic presenter which increases the chance of getting the team they want next year. Why else would this be? Makes a lot of sense. That's an excellent point. Recruiting. Yeah. Uh, recruiting teams. You're listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's 
Dream Preview. All right, speaking of the preseason, the Raiders. We had a theory about the Raiders. I think we were playing wrong. Now, Fez, let's let's recap, or let's collectively, I guess, we'll start with Fez. Our Raiders theory was a combination of Gruden historically, Gruden now, that this was a team motivated to cover. Yeah, so you look at Gruden. He's a guy that was 28-20 and 20 against the spread going into this year, and Gruden was 3-1 and one against the spread. This is in preseason last year, so a guy that's shown a propensity, propensity to want to win in preseason, and all things being equal, I always expect that propensity to continue with coaches. Well, I guess we'll see if you really do. But, <laughs> speaking of our bet, but the fact of the matter is, the scrutiny, the spotlight is brighter for Gruden now. So to whatever motivation Gruden had to win, and, and let's be honest, desire to win, winning mattering is the biggest factor in preseason. Yep. Usually, almost all the time, we are trying to aggregate half points. We're accumulating half points at best. This guy's out. I think he's worth a point. Everyone else thinks he's worth a half a point. Van Vliet, for example. <laughs> now, there's a handful of times, and I mean a handful, I think extremely bad weather in the NFL or in football is an example, with, especially with wind, like extreme wind, where it's not about half points. It's either true or not, and if it's true, it might be worth seven, ten points. Obviously, if a quarterback's out or not, but that we all know, you know, that's something no one's, I guess that's inside information is if you know Rodgers is out, but everyone else thinks he's in. Or Drew Brees has a shoulder injury that's not being disclosed and it's going to compromise him in the final month of the year. Or not, right? Which is yeah. the big debate because there's different numbers that say he wasn't, but we'll get into that as we do our NFL previews and such. But to me, if a team is truly motivated in a preseason game or not, that A or B, that binary, is worth 7 to 10 points. Agreed. And since most of the time it's known if by history how motivated a team's going to be, you would think it's building into the line. But, Fez, you approached this, I thought, in a very analytical way. You said, I'm going to find a certain threshold that makes sense. Let's call it plus or minus five games. Now, did that count the VIG or not? You were ignoring the VIG? I ignored the VIG. So, like you said, coaches that were plus five as far as winning in preseason against the spread or minus five or worse. And the nice thing about the five, RJ, is it turns out all the coaches were seven games or more above or below um, against the spread that got included. So none of them were at five or six. They were all seven so or more. So you came into it looking at five as the right. number, but it got to seven. Now, we should caveat quickly. Andy Reid had a lot of close games, half point here, half point there. He's out of the list. And what we've got is four coaches that have done exceeded expectations by that much and two that have fallen short. So let's go through the list of the up arrow. Up arrow, Baltimore, Harbaugh, 17 above 500. Seattle, Pete Carroll, these are the numbers going into the year. 18 above 500. Mike Zimmer, Minnesota, seven above 500, and John Gruden, Oakland, eight above 500. All right, so four up arrows. Now, obviously some of them have coached a lot of games, so they might be 57%. Others haven't coached as many. 
uh, we had right uh, we had Reich Reich, right? Is uh was four and zero last year, right? Yes. How do you? I I forget how the Bills do this. They, they lost. lost. Okay, so he I guess he would have been on the list otherwise. So it's tough, right? Because like we look at uh, Kingsbury now, and we can say, oh, they covered Arizona, but what does that mean? You know, and we'll get to that actually. Now, if Johnny, your boy, Faz, right? Yes. How old is he? He's eight. Very intelligent eight-year-old. Yes. But he's eight. Wasn't that long ago I took him in rock, paper, scissors. Crushed him like a bug. And I don't let kids win. I think they need to have <laughs> their spirit broken. Then you build it back Brad, up. this was the most amazing thing <laughs> you've ever seen because, obviously, if Johnny could have just randomized his um, uh, game selections, yeah. he would have been fine. But he was... The, the wheels were turning just enough with him that he altered, and it was predictable. So I started creating patterns. Yeah. And RJ just just completely <laughs> forecast when he was going to rock, when he was going to paper, and when he was going to And we were scissors. betting money, and he kept having to hand me yeah. money. He was crying. Like, he was getting upset. Not crying, but you could see the glisten in his eye. It was like the diner scene in, um, uh, what's the name of the movie? With the- like Son, Like Father, similar to when you're handing uh, RJ money. <laughs> After each podcast, listen, the fat- there is a little bit of tear in his eye. You know what's funny? Bringing this, <laughs> bringing this story back around, we were talking about Scott, who's Tom's brother. Is he, Actually, his daughter just graduated high school, and she uh, went to a real nice school, and he's doing well. It's uh, What's the name of that school? It's in Pittsburgh. Car- Carnegie Mellon, which yep. is, I think, the 25th best school in the country. Let me tell you, a lot of phone calls about all those machinations. Getting in there, it was a. It, let's just say, slipped in under the bow. But congratulations, that's a great place to go. I mean, he's a you know, Scott grew up where I grew up. It's a coal mine in town, and but when that girl was his daughter was fourteen or so, maybe thirteen, uh, they had Wii tennis, right? Well, let me tell you, I don't want to say I was one of the best in the world at Wii tennis, but I think I was one of the best in the world at Wii tennis. So she thought she was good. I just went up and destroyed her. I mean, it was like if if she even got appointed upset, you know, like <laughs> I was upset. I didn't show it. So finally, people started looking at me. There's like a party with like eight or ten people, you know, a little gathering. It's like, what's wrong with this guy? It's like a little kid. And he's and I turn around. And I say, listen, I've been beating up on the Pats for decades. I go, we got to make sure it's on another generation. <laughs> and, you know, to, to this day, they still talk about it. And then do you think they're thinking, I want to mess with him? No. Nope. They're thinking, where he wants to go to dinner, that's where we should go. Or we tennis, a game might break out. (laughs) Who knows what's going to happen? So the fact of the matter is, with Johnny, as a smart eight-year-old, he would say, if you said pick, you know, how do we predict who's going to win these preseason games? I think a smart eight-year-old might say, well, how have they done in the past? Right? And it's like, oh, that's a good idea. I have a list of coaches that have done really well and a list of coaches that's done really poorly. His thought's going to be, wow, let's bet on the up arrow coaches and against the down arrow coaches, daddy. Very logical. Very logical. That sounds too easy, doesn't it? Yep. And it sounds counterintuitive, quite frankly, to our contrarian approach. Whenever I'm with the masses, I'm uncomfortable betting. Because by definition, it's going to be more expensive over there. All right? So, so far, we got the six. How, if you had just done the Johnny 
a handicapping system. 1995. Except we're giving it away now for free. How would you have done this year? 7 and 0. 7 and 0. Atlanta's Quinn has already lost twice against the spread because he was in the Hall of Fame game. Exactly. Now, on air, I asked Fez, what over and under for the rest? So we got six coaches, three games. I don't know if they play each other. Oh, geez. If they play each other, that's got to be eliminated. Out, yeah. yeah, geez. Sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the fact of the matter, Fez gave that to me pretty easy. Yeah. Thank you. Is the fact of the matter is, you would think if, if it's not predictive at all, over under 50.1%, you'd love the under, right? Yeah. Or it would be the clear pick. You might not love it. Yeah. I asked Fez, my first thought was 57 and a half. Do you go over under? Mm. He said, he said under, like quick. Like, Man, that's quick. I said, what about 55? He goes, uh, ooh, uh, ooh. <laughs> so I said, all right, that's it. I'll go over 55. You go under 55. Because the theory is, if you ooh and all and you're not sure, yep. he took the bet. Now, here's my theory. Whenever I hear about this umpire's gone over 12 or 13, my first thought is, what's the history? And when you find out he's got hundreds of games behind the plate and it's 50-50, it's like, okay. He's either changed, you know. And again, it literally could be, it sounds crazy, he had a hernia operation and now he's not able to get down as low and he's calling a different strike zone. I mean, you always got to think about those things. But in general, if the long term says one thing, short term says the other, I don't trust the short term. I don't know if I trust the long term because I always think things are changing. But I, I, to me, it's a, a best to wash. I'm not anxious to bet the short term. When we have a history, though, of guys winning this and losing this much, and we know that the line adjustments are the paradigm, the fundamental approach to adjusting the lines is based on these half points. Instead, it's a yes or no. And if it's a yes, it might be seven, ten points. I, I just don't understand how you think it's not more predictive. I think what it is, RJ, is that 55%, I believe in the theory, I've been trained it's so hard to pick more than 55%. We always talk about got to try to find a way to win at 55%. That any level above that, I'm immediately balking at it. It's like it simply just couldn't be that easy. So that's interesting because what you're saying, it well, that's the thing. Since it's so rarely that easy, sometimes it's that easy because no one believes it. Mm. And I think we've seen that with our own experience. And this is the first time we've done a daily show in the NBA playoffs. We had five or six props yep. that we said, this seems crazy. Like right? there was a Steph Curry prop, right, where Gold State had everybody out. And I said, RJ, the points have to come from somewhere. And the funny thing is, this is the one I disagreed with them on. <laughs> yeah. And we bat. And somehow that's the, the one player in the game. That's not even the third or fourth one that comes in yeah. my mind. Oh, for his, it's Jesus. the one that comes in bold red. But he's right. <laughs> yeah. My thinking is, what is the public side here? Over. What's the easy logic? Over. If they're given 30 and a half or whatever the number was, they're saying bring it on. And here's what I learned this year. And I mean, literally in these last 12 months, the liquidity, the amount of betting that goes on in these prop markets, player props, this might change in the future. Right now, 
as we always said, these bookies aren't that smart, most of them. And they're not that worried about these $500 bets or $300. They get shaped up, it seems like, soon enough. And the, the question for the book is, does it cost us more money to take some of these bets at bad numbers or to pay someone to come in here and really put the right numbers up? And they've decided what they decided, which means if it's an uh, illiquid market, we shouldn't think something looks too good to be true. Sometimes it's just that good. Yep. Would we agree? I agree. Yep. All right. So preseason football, let's just use Baltimore, for example. How's the Ravens and Harbaugh doing? So the Ravens and Harbaugh won 29 nothing against Jacksonville. I'm just saying, what's their streaks? Um, they are 14-0 straight up, 12-2 and against the spread, the most recent streak. And I got to tell you, RJ, we made our bet, right? I went back and I watched the, um, the NFL uh, Rewind on Baltimore-Jacksonville. Oh, my God. So money came in on Jacksonville. Don't know why. Baltimore closed like minus three. And poor Minshew, the Jacksonville quarterback, they were blitzing him. They were coming after him. They could have played that game 100 times. You know how many times Baltimore would cover? A lot. I, I hate to say like 88 or 92 or some crazy number if we could go back in our time machine. That number was just wrong. Yeah, and on offense, Lamar Jackson's playing three series. Everybody, Every other starting quarterback's either out or playing one series. He's in there for three. Here's the thing about the Ravens, and I'm going to ask you this question. How vanilla were they? Because I, I am certain Harbaugh has a bunch of stuff, surprises ready for the regular season. I thought, okay, on one hand, they have a history of wanting to win, Harbaugh. And again, those Harbaugh's. He smells. There's some problems. <laughs> but he likes to win in the preseason, but he's, I think he's going to go vanilla. How vanilla was Yeah, it? they were vanilla, but they did enough of what they're good at. So they do that run option, and, well, shocker, um, all of a sudden Lamar Jackson doesn't want to get injured. So in the run option, he's just handing it to Gus Edwards every time instead of taking it even when it was open for him to run. But they rolled him out like they do during last year, and they had a lot of those plays. I will say... This Baltimore's backup quarterback McSorley is the perfect backup for Lamar Jackson. He runs exactly the same and, stuff. And that's the thing they're saying. And and RG three right is in the mix. He's right? injured though. Yeah. Yeah. But for, right. what I'm saying is they've gone all in. Yep. Yes. It, and it would have been stupid to have a, a pocket passer as the backup, right? So what? Ha- so I think that you're right in the preseason vanilla, meaning not showing you anything complex, not showing you anything tricky because you're saving it for the regular season. That's the term. But the commitment they're making to this run game, I think means they probably play even harder, even if it's vanilla, because it's like we got to get this stuff right. Steelers are running the same old stuff. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. So it just strikes me that the reason the money came in against the Ravens is the public or the Sharps are looking and handicapping like anything else. And it really just feels like this is different. Now, you said something interesting. You said it's 55 that stopped you. Now, if somebody said, because if something were, were random, it'd be 50-50, right? Mm-hmm. So if we flipped a coin and I said, we're going to do 1,000 flips, but I'll give you over under 510, all right? You're going to, heads, you're going to make a gigantic bet on love, the under. Love under. Love it. Okay. But 
let's see how I want to say this. Maybe I won't try to give the analogy because I don't have it in my head. I went, you can help me with it. It seems like if you went to 52, if the bet was, will these teams in aggregate the next 18 games, you know, six coaches with arrows, time straight, will they win 52% of the time? What would you, I'm guessing you would go over. I would. And I'm guessing you'd probably lay some lumber. Yeah, because I think the right number is probably like 54%. So here's the question. It feels like if you did the math on, okay, what is each percentage point worth? Just like in a total, right? Over 44 minus 110. Over 40 might be, you know, minus, minus 250 or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, 160. Yeah. There's a, there's a way like a seesaw. It feels like you that the price you would go over 50%, let's say, would be so much higher than would make sense for someone that would go under 55. It just feels like that in your mind, even though it would be one game out of the 18 that would make so much difference, but what you're saying is unequivocally, I would. in fact, if I, if I told you even money, 50%, uh, no vig, how much would you bet on the over? I'd make a big bet. Okay. But you went, so you would make a gigantic bet over 50%. But I want to bet under 50. 55. So it, it shows. And, and I yeah. get I get the idea over thousands, uh, even hundreds of games, that makes sense. But over 18 games? You're never going to be able to, to distinguish it. Yeah. So it's interesting, right, is how you're hit. One of the things I'm starting to see doing this every day, obviously I've been in this business for over a decade. I've been betting since I was uh, 14 pretty much every day. But doing media every day, talking about these games every day, talking about these scenarios, is the things that make you great, Fez, at handicapping, at winning as a batter, are the same things that, that, that are cause blind spots, whereas 55 was that point you just wouldn't go above. And so here's the question. We have 100 down on it. I want to add three. Can't back down now. All right, now that it's open, Brad, you can jump on. Uh, which side? I'm on RG, so yeah. the winning side. <laughs> now, now, the irony is, because I do believe these teams are going to cover more than 52.4, <laughs> there's a good chance I'm going to be basically scalping this because I'll be laying minus ten on these bets and effectively oh, I'm it's, booking it's, plus $1.20. It's 700 bucks. You I know. You Jeez. can't do that. If it came down to the last game, I guess. But let's just say on a lot of these games, I think I'll be rooting for myself to be losing on this prop bet I just made against both of you. So let's be clear. No way do I think... The question is, is it 55% or not? As you can see, Fess says no. We say yes. We're probably right. History indicates. But... <laughs> but... The 7-0 and o is just a happenstance. It's a good talking point now. But I'll tell you, I really believe, and, and i got to be honest, I love trends that the Sharps are on the other side of. Because in a way, the trends I love the most are the ones that benefit from the public going the other way. Like, there's a famous trend. I don't even know what the number is anymore. If you take in college basketball a home team who's not ranked, or a team, but it's almost always home, who's not ranked, who's laying points to a ranked team, it's like an auto bet. Yeah. It, and you could say, you could talk to your blue about that trend. 
but more people are going to react to that little number and the plus than any trend talk's going to trump. Yep. I love the trends that are public driven because they know the zigzag. There's no public side. In fact, you think about it, the zigzag is opposite. Right? In theory, the public's going to think of MOTS. I don't know if you know that phrase, Faz. Yeah, M-O-T-S, more of the same. More of the same. Heard of that one, yeah. And it's one of those situations. <laughs> it's one of those situations that you would think the average fan thinks, hey, if a team's won seven in a row, they're, they're higher on them to win the eighth, right? Yes. We're thinking, let's fade them. Well, what's the zigzag saying? If one team wins, go the other way. Right. So if anything, the public is saying, wait a minute. This home team was laying seven. They just won by 13, and now they're laying six. So always remember the viability of a trend or a system, which is not team-specific but league-specific, over time is usually correlated to how public or where the public naturally would go. And if the public is naturally against the trend, that keeps it alive has been my experience. Yeah, that's good. I agree. Good? Very good. I, I think. Oh, oh, wait. Brad's reaching over the table. Give yourself the dream. Okay, so is there anything else from the preseason that you saw that really jumps out? Maybe go rapid fire with some bullet points. Yeah, so I'd be remiss not to mention one of the coaches that we talk about not caring about preseason, Atlantis Quinn. He's 0-2 already in the preseason. He was playing Miami, RJ, and this is the best evidence I can give of a coach that doesn't care about whether he's going to win or not. The game is tied. Atlanta's catching four, the closing number. They're on their own 18-yard line, less than two minutes to play, fourth and six. The announcers go, oh, so Atlanta's going to punt, and Miami's got an excellent chance to come down and kick the game-winning field goal. Atlanta would cover, of course. Nope. Quinn went for it. Fourth and long from his own 18 with his backup quarterback who got sacked, and Miami wound up scoring a touchdown and covering. So not exactly a random end game of a typical coach. Quinn clearly does not care about winning in preseason. Now the theory is, and correct me if I'm wrong, the rep that he got by going for that Helps the team. Yes, but it's, I agree, but it's not a, a play call that m- the vast, vast majority of coaches. But would so, in do. a way, you could say Quinn is setting uh, Atlanta up to win regular season games. Yes. Because I think there's two sides of this. And listen, I have fun with Harbaugh, no doubt, the Harbaugh, no doubt about it. But if you're game planning aggressively for preseason games, and what's the difference? How much rotations, quarterbacks especially. You know, you got your starters in, the other team doesn't. That makes a difference. How much the coach conveys that winning matters. Do you do things that maybe aren't positive EV for the game but get you ready for the regular season? All those questions. One of them, though, do you play your the guys that are on the cut line? You give them more time in game three, more time in game two, lessens your chance of winning, but you have a better idea of who to cut and who to keep. And listen, I Harbaugh wasn't the coach, but remember, James Harrison was cut by the Ravens like four times. I mean, if you go look at it, wow. 
And I know that. He, and, Steel, and, and when Pittsburgh came and took him, it was the same thing. He was borderline, and then he became. But listen, how rare is that? Rare. You never know when that last cut is going to end up being a James Harrison. So making that right decision, you might say it's decimal point stuff. Maybe it is this year because if it wasn't, it'd be an easy decision. But making that right decision, I mean, the Steelers probably literally at minimum don't win that Arizona Super Bowl without Harrison. (laughs) At minimum. (laughs) So you could make the case that the Ravens cutting Harrison allowed the Steelers to win a Super Bowl. Not Again, I'm just saying the Ravens because it's Harrison, not because it's hardball. If you're trying to win that hard, part of what you're losing is a chance of seeing those lesser players play more. Wouldn't you agree? Yep. Yep. To me, Belichick's willing to lose games in September to win in January. Not on pur- it's not on purpose. It's, okay, I want to start this left tackle. He's 5% worse than the veteran, but by November he's going to be better. Let's go. That's the kind of decisions. Or we play these guys again. I'm not going to – I got two tricks to – uh, I came up with during the offseason. This is me being Belichick now. I like this. I'm going to show him one this game and one the next instead of two at once. A lot of coaches, I show them, we'll come up with something in the interim. Right? It's the equity that Belichick's got to make these kind of decisions. Yep. Isn't that the opposite of, of winning at all costs? And I'm saying that with a smile, but almost that a guy like Harbaugh has? Yep. So you're saying you believe it hurts the Ravens? I think it does. What do you think, Brad? It's tough because, I mean, a lot of these coaches aren't. I mean, Gruden hasn't had overwhelming success at Tampa Bay, at least down the stretch after he won the first Super Bowl. Uh, Pete Carroll, you know, has had success in the preseason, has also had success in the regular season. Same for Harbaugh. That's yeah, kind of hit But here's the question. We don't know how much success they would have otherwise. Mm, that's good Meaning point. I'm saying that it's almost like if one Tom Brady number one had two Coke zeros a day, and Tom yeah. Brady number two has none. Well, I'm pretty sure the Coke Zero Tom Brady would have won some Super Bowls. So we <laughs> yeah. could have said, yeah, it's Coke. No. The question is, what is the delta between, you know, Citrus Paribus, between in a vacuum, those two things? It feels unequivocal that obsessing over winning in the preseason, and I might be a little disingenuous saying obsessing, being such a focus hurts you. Agreed. Now there's another side to it. Some people believe winning's a habit. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a believer in that. Like, listen, I was never a great athlete, but I was certainly decent enough that, you know, in the summers we'd have, you know, we different times we would have Olympics. I mean, we were kids. Where we'd be like, all right, three rounds of golf, three a two-on-two basketball game. We'd have, <laughs> you know, it'd be like a try, you know, not a triathlon, but that kind of thing. And at the end, whoever won the most, it'd be like seven things. And whoever won the most won, right? And I'll tell you this. I don't think I've cared about anything in my life more than I've cared about winning those. Because whenever I compete, I care about as much as I can. Like, it's just in my blood. And a lot of people looked at me back then and the people I was playing with were the same. It was like, you guys are nuts. And it's like, you either are a winner or you're not a winner. And... Hard, I mean, obviously the hardballs believe that. Yeah. And let's be honest, they've been very successful. Oh, yeah. So this is where the intelligent nerd <laughs> side of me says, 
oh, I, you're gaining a rep, you know? And a part of me saying, yeah, and you lost another effing game. Loser. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? And listen, let's be candid. Bill Parcells was the champ at wanting to win in the preseason. Don't like losing. Winning culture. Yeah, so... It's a fascinating discussion. So any, let's uh, rapid fire through any other preseason. Yeah, just um, Jason Garrett of Dallas is the other one that does not care about winning a preseason. So he and Quinn are the two. Um, well, could it be just sucks? Possible. <laughs> the clapper. Yeah, exactly. You know, one one more preseason. And I want to ask you about this because we talked about the Patriots real quick. So uh, you talk about the Patriots not caring that much in September. Well, what happened early in the year last year? They got crushed by Detroit and they got crushed by the Tennessee Titans. Well, guess who they played week one of preseason? They played Detroit and they annihilated the Lions. I got to be honest with you. That was one of the shockers to me because to me it felt like this is when the lion, and let's be candid, the whole uh, has a pencil behind his ear with a laminated play sheet is catching on. The whole rocket scientist thing is fading. <laughs> yeah. And to me, if you need, if you needed a statement when it felt like the lions needed it. Yeah. And the money all came on the lions in that game. The lions opened the underdog. They closed as a two and a half point favorite. They got sacked nine times. Their starting quarterback in that game, Savage, got sacked three times in the first quarter, got concussed, had to leave the game. They got crushed. They got 21 yards passing for the entire game. And the reason I bring this up this week, who does who's New England play? They play the Tennessee Titans, the other team that crushed mm, New England. I, I 100% disagree with you. So you don't think that there's a here's what I th- there? Here's what I think it is. And I just thought of something we've never done. Pick the best coaches, and we'll, you know, uh, some of it would be subjective, but let's say the best five, and see how they do in preseason when they play that same team that year and when they don't. Because my guess is a guy like Belichick, because they just got beat by the Lions, they don't play him for four years. Uh, so they can, they, they don't learned, have to go super vanilla. He learned, learned from the last right. game, and he, there must be something going on that he doesn't like. There has to be something with Patricia that the pissed off Belichick is my guess. Because, one, they played him last year. Obviously, you would think it's revenge, but that assumes that Belichick cares about preseason. And, I mean, we know he doesn't even care as much about September games. So he must have figured there was something he saw on the tape last year that he could exploit and, if anything, show the rest of the league how to exploit it. Right, because that's mm, that's next level. Yeah, if he's mad <laughs> at Patricia, he's going to show him how to beat him. And as it turns out, what the Patriots did is they brought a linebacker up, and they had five on the defensive front. And, and how unusual would that be in a preseason game for the Pats to do that? Be pretty unusual, you know. Normally, you go vanilla and you don't blitz except for selectively. So that was very unusual that they were rushing five. And like I said, knocking a quarterback out in the first quarter. And I was and worried. my guess is that you won't see that from the Patriots. That there's something, maybe like in game 12 or something, but he knows who, obviously who they're playing. He knows why he's doing it against the Lions. He knows he's not going to do it against most of the other teams. So he's got people thinking about And again, we know he shows you things he wants you to think about, and he won't show you things he don't want you to think about. Right. Or he doesn't want you to think about. So to me, I think... The better coaches are going to go super. It's not so much I want to bet on them if they don't play a team. I want to bet. I want to fade them 
if they play that same team later in the year. Because if the opponent is a lesser coach, they're going to show more. Yes, I like that. we got to research that. Yeah, we do. I'll get on that. I'll put that. that in makes my list. It's interesting. It really, or a minimum, maybe just look at Belichick on that. Because if it's not the case with him, it's not going to be the case probably. And then if we see it is with him, we can try to add some coach. And I know the wise guys also like to bet under when these when two teams play in the preseason, they're going to play shortly after in the regular season. The idea is the offense is not going to show anything. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Uh, let's talk again about in-game or between-game motivation because I think you can't have the coaches we talked about that they uh, tend to win or lose. But on the other hand, I think especially if a team – especially if a team's 0-3 going in game four. You don't want to go winless. In game four, and some coaches don't care, but most do. In game four, it's so much discretion about who you're playing that I think oftentimes you'll get extra motivation not to go 0-3 because go, or, or 0-4 because 0-4 is a narrative. Winless. Yep. Right? But I even think in week two, if all you did was play on the teams that lost last week – I don't even have a database in the preseason. You got this? Yeah, it's a 104 and 62. Blindly betting 0-1 teams straight up against 1-0 teams. That's 62% back to 1994. Now listen, why not play that? I mean, it sounds nerdy, but square, but why not play that blind? Yeah, why not? And unless there's some kind of great reason not to, there's three qualifying teams. You know, I got to tell you, RJ, I am disappointed. I always talk to you about, oh, week two. I love week two because of this 0-1-1 versus 1-0 situation. There's only three qualifying situations. Most of the teams that are 1-0 are playing 1-0 teams, but we do have three. 4-1-3, rotation Chicago, plus two at the Giants. We should have a computer going in the background. Get it, yeah. it. Yeah. Or one six, say the team. Tampa Bay minus three and a half hosting Miami, <laughs> and the Indianapolis Colts minus three hosting Cleveland. <laughs> I like you using rotation numbers like it's a college basketball Saturday and there's yeah, 150 seriously. games. I can't find Furman. <laughs> Jeez. The um, okay, let's go to Dak Prescott. I mean, this is more Fox Sports Radio stuff. And by the way, guys, show's been hitting a stride. 6 o'clock Eastern, 200 stations coast-to-coast, Fox Sports Radio, 3 o'clock, obviously Pacific. Podcast, same thing. Search for RJ Bell. Subscribe, get it every day. iHeartRadio app, the whole thing. FoxSportsRadio.com, etc. Okay. To me, Dak is so smart to have the debate be, hey, should he get $30 million or $40 million? And someone on Twitter actually told me the exact technical term because I don't know it. But anchoring is what it was. But he, it was funny. He tweeted, RJ Bell starting to explain anchoring negotiation tactics on radio. But really what it is is the term I've heard more is framing. If you can frame the conversation, should it be 30 or 40? Well, what's the most likely outcome? Somewhere in between. 35 yep. or something like, like that. Like if you ask someone how many people live in Norway, 100 million or 150 million, people aren't going to say whatever it is, 20 million. But if you give them two choices and neither, neither are correct. But if you anchor it really high, people will get it the question. But you'd have wrong. to have the, but, there ha, but you gave a range. You weren't anchoring. Well, I was anchoring it way too high. But yeah. <laughs> So you're saying, let's think of an analogy here. If I said, Brad, where did it, guess where I ate yesterday? 
Kentucky Fried Chicken or Taco Bell? Guess. KFC. No, ate at home. <laughs> I mean, it's like you can't. <laughs> that is an anchoring, is making shit up that's not related okay. to it. <laughs> have you read much about persuasion? You've read more. Uh, no, but have you read anything? Well, I've read you can bias people's res results like in a questionnaire when you give them like like a biased range. And did you know it was anchoring? I did. I had read that before. So explain to me then how you are so knowledgeable with anchoring and your thought is, is that if you say how many people are in Norway, 100 or 150 million, and the real answer is 20 million, that that's anchoring. Because you're biasing people's answers to the high end. Because you're putting there's it no high end. You're, 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 there is no end. Assumes there's a range. You're yeah, well, hundred to one hundred fifty million. And you're your saying anchor. that there is no that it's twenty million. But people will respond like, oh, 115 million when you give them because that. you're just lying to them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, here's the thing: with all your extensive reading, you don't anchor both. Like both of the numbers aren't something you create. The, Opposition creates one of them. So, <laughs> so Dak, if he was smart, would say, I wonder if I should get paid $100 million a year or $120 million a year. That's anchoring everybody. Okay, so Imagine if he started. <laughs> so the brilliance of Dak is he's not talking about $32 million, He's talking about forty. Exactly. Okay. Well, I don't know exactly. It's closer because it's not wrong. <laughs> but... <laughs> But what would motivate you to give an example of something that you at best have a passing foggy recollection of? I think it was a mistake. I think because you move had a on. good. I think you had a good early show. Let's move on. That isn't that the theme with him? Yes, because he's been killing it. I think. After, this was one of your better podcasts. It has been, and yes. then he's like a child that's getting attention <laughs> that has like two magic tricks, and then <laughs> and, and then they start trying to do the hula hoop or something. Yeah. And they have no not like yeah. no experience with the hula hoop. You're so right. Ah. Like you get my thumb up. Like, Ooh, that's nice. That's nice. And then they get all like excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like, oh wait, <laughs> let me go go to my room and get this thing. Yeah, hold and on, I, I got my tennis racket. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Perfect example. Oh my gosh, not good. Hey. <laughs> Baz, when you're going well, tighten up. Think about the way people like to book wins in poker. You know how it's one long game? It's not if I kick you off the show. <laughs> Luckily, that's not going to happen. Fez has had his best. Since he came back from vacation, and again, this is usually inversely correlated, best month from him. Yep. So. Thank you. Now, don't get outside your lane, though. <laughs> well, I don't even know. Oh, so to me, quickly now, and again, listen, not to be political, but. The Art of the Deal, there's probably about 20 pages in there that are some of the best negotiation advice that I've read. And I've read a lot about persuasion, not as much perhaps as Faz. But <laughs> here's the thing. And, and there's, a, there's a more technical, it's something like the ov ovarian window, I think. it's. Can you look that up? I guess it's like ovarian, like cancer but i think it's close to that ovarian window and the concept is and brad's looking it up the concept is that if you can define the range that people think are reasonable 
The Overton window. Okay. And how can you just read the definition? Yeah, it's the range of ideas tolerated in public discourse. Exactly. So this is something that's more political is the idea of, and I'll go the other way with Trump to make sure everyone doesn't think I have some hidden agenda, is where Trump being politically incorrect is making it where the theory is, oh, these kids at this white school are seeing him doing this, and now it makes it feel like it's a reasonable thing to do. And obviously there's a lot of science behind that, but it's a similar concept to 40 million. Okay. It's possible versus 40 million. You're freaking crazy. All right. What was the debate before? Should that get 30 or should he take a hometown discount? Yeah. Like 23, 24 million. What's the debate today? 30 to 40, 30 to 40. So again, you never know what people are. Listen, usually if something seems smart, it's probably smart. Someone's doing it with forethought, especially when millions are involved. It is interesting to watch the debate change. And in a weird way, and this is from the art of the deal, the more extreme you're willing to be with a straight face, people believe you. It's like, I mean, in a way, you think about our industry and the old time Saturday morning guys, 40 in a row or whatever. People believed it. Documented. But if you sit and say, I think if we're lucky and you shop, we can hit 55%, you would think, oh, everyone would appreciate the honesty. <laughs> Is that it? Are you kidding me? Yeah. You guys, I, mean, I thought you guys were professionals. Even Colin, who, let's be honest, this guy's been picking <clears throat> his Blazing Five successfully for a long time. And... I promise you guys, it might be five or six times a year. He'll call me on a game beforehand, get my opinion. Doesn't even follow it all the time. Otherwise, those are his picks. And he said, listen, I know it's not easy to win. Like 60% to me is, you know, if I can do that pretty much every year, I'm happy. I, I've told him 20 times, I could call you freaking insane. You know, it's like, Fez, it's just like we said, when you were in your fifth year, when you had won the Hilton or the super contest twice. And then there was three more years. We looked at your five years and you were, I'm going by memory here, like 56.8%. Yeah. Just below 57. Very good. And we had a hundred thousand dollar challenge out there. Anyone that this year will go over 56.7. We will bet you a hundred thousand. Like the over under was out there. Even money. Crickets. I mean, literally, Alan Boston. I mean, I spread this around on the radio and stuff, but I was playing. <clears throat> I was playing in a game over at the Suncoast, a two five ten straddle game, and Alan was there all the time. I mean, I'm talking a long time, and I mean months and months. And every time it was all these sharp poker players. They all thought, and they once they knew who I, a known guy, they thought, oh, who's this TV? You know, who's this guy? Doesn't know shit. And again, because in our industry, if you're the more famous you are, if for the not famous people, it's a sign you don't know what you're talking about, which seems kind of crazy. It might be you know what you're talking about, but you also know how to present it to the public. Okay, but a little hint. But the fact of the matter, and again, not that I'm, you know, again, I'll say it a thousand times. I think I'm in the ninety nine point nine 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 of sports betting, but there are hundreds of people that know more sports betting than me. It's something that only those people could tell the difference 
I mean, if as you know a lot, I mean, if you listen to this show, it would seem like I know more than you. Let's be honest, Brad. Oh, yeah. You know more than me. And I mean, that's just objectively true. It's just it's it's hard to even in any form to really get across that. OK, in the third quarter, if I and again, when it comes to the way to execute on a position, I think Fez is the best in the world at it. So he's next level, even from the level that's above me. But this is stuff that would come up never on a radio show, never even on a podcast because it's not suited for podcasts. It's suited for academic papers and stuff. So when I'm doing business and you're reading some academic paper, or you're thinking about something or you're on some posting forum debating a topic, whatever you're doing, that extra time gives you an edge over me. What I've embraced is one, my own limitations, but number two, that I want to understand the core, the foundation of betting as well as I can. Because understanding that a little bit better is more important than understanding the marginal edge case stuff. For you, you find one margin. Oh, look, this Kino's playing. And again, this is not sports betting, but Kino's doing, again, I know Kino usually isn't a game that's going to have any advantage. But in this scenario, if they're two for one on points, blah, 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 you get that right you might end up making tens of thousands of dollars from it. So it makes sense that you're fixated on that kind of stuff. It doesn't lend itself to radio. Whereas my, my main job isn't as a professional batter. Yours is mine is as well. Again, that's a question. Is it running a company or is it doing media? I'm doing so much media now. It's really, I'm doing two things and it's, it's tough, but it's fun. Very well said. And just as a lightning fast example, I had a book that on every NFL game offered me a prop. Will the final score be odd or even? Now, this was the Super Bowl one about three or four years ago. Oh, no, no. I was thinking about one where it was the, the, the first touchdown. I knew some sharp guys that had a huge opinion on what the number of the first uh, touchdown score would be. But go ahead. I'm yeah, so it's, so it's the same concept. But you think about, well, the final score, of, and this was for every NFL game, week one, two, three, four, this book was offering. Well, what could be more 50-50 than odd or even? Well, it turns out it's not 50-50 because think about this. If the game's tied 20-20, there's a really good chance in overtime it ends 23-20. Odd is more common than even, and it's profitable to blindly lay a dollar ten and bet odd in the NFL. In the same way that I'm able to look at a scenario and say, and I think my instincts when it comes to public money are about as good as anybody's where I can apply it to a lot of situations. But you've got, Fez, dozens of situations where something like that, if you told me you got to do it or there's big money to it, I sit down, I'm probably going to get the same answer as you. You're going to think about it for seven minutes and get it. It's going to take me an hour, seven or whatever, maybe longer. And your ability to do that has been thousands of reps. I tell Brad all the time, you're as talented as any mid-30s guy I've met in this business. Fez has 20 years on you. Yep. And at some point, those years become... Na- well, the good thing about Fez is, and I think the radio has helped you with this, you were pretty set in your ways. And, and as you started seeing, listen, evolving uh, not only is good to win, but... It's, and I think it wasn't so much you were betting being set in your ways, but some of your answers were rote. It was like, oh, this is something Mark Lawrence would have said in 98, must be right. And lately you've been spending a lot more time, I think, thinking, looking at everything with fresh eyes. That is so valuable. Exactly. And I'm, I'm throwing out a lot of examples. Another lightning fast one, baseball this year. 
What's the book on baseball? We don't lay more than a dollar fifty. You you look to play the dog or you pass the game. Well, and so that's the book in general. In general, well, that was before the ball got juiced, and the average number of runs being scored is ten instead of eight. And what's happening? Well, the Yankees are when there's two more runs in the game, they're more likely to get those runs than Baltimore. And it turns out two of the most profitable teams this year betting, oh, the Yankees and the Dodgers, two of the most public teams and across the board, and the really bad teams, the Tigers, the Kansas City Royals, are just getting crushed. And a big part of that so is you're the saying game has high, changed. So you're saying just like in college football like six or seven years ago when the scoring went up is the dogs were getting killed because they didn't adjust the power ratings. Exactly. For the- yeah. Okay, okay. See, I'm good at pattern recognition. But <laughs> but again, this is something that is in that literally it's not even in your blood. It's in, it's imprinted on your brain. It's the way you think about things. And you know, to be honest with you, it is when you're as articulate as you are today. It is such an. I mean, there's no one else that has the ability to not sound like they're going to put you to sleep. You know, because let's be honest, there's some smart. There's all kind of MIT podcast or uh, YouTube videos, especially out there that no one's watching. Or some people are watching it. Yeah. But more people listen to the dream preview in a week than probably will watch that video ever. And it's an MIT professor. So it's not just the right answer. It's the right answer in a way that's uh, with a little sugar on top. Oh, yeah. Let's say. I'm RJ Bow. This is not straight out of Vegas, so I usually say that. It's a dream preview. Let's talk Andrew Luck. Oh, real quick, though. As much as I, and remember, friend of the show, Mike Lombardi, he's the one that kind of started the conversation. You know, I heard, and again, Lombardi's connected. He's not a reporter, but he's connected. I heard that Dak turned down 30 sticks. I don't think he said that. And 30, (laughs) and he's asking for 40. If that's true, he's freaking crazy. To me, I was ready right then to say, I'll bet anyone over under 30 and a half million, meaning Dak will make more than the 30. Because to me, I understand once the debate's between 30 and 40, if it ends up 33, the Cowboys feel like they won. It's just they lost once the debate Mm -hmm. became that. I think I'm still right, but just in the last 24 hours or so, remember, guys, we're taping Wednesday night here in Vegas the numbers, illiquid market, but it's moved the other way. Yeah, so the average annual salary of Dak Prescott's next contracts available at Bovada. 24 hours ago before taping this podcast on a Wednesday night, on Tuesday it was $34.5 million, average annual salary. Now as we're taping on Wednesday, it's $32.5 million. But I still, I'm not willing to bet you on that, RJ. I think it's over $30 million when it's all said and done. And, and, and that's the thing. It makes me want to... If this were a sharp market, it's back to the idea you got to know what market it is. It almost tells me if you know anything about negotiation, once it's 30 and 40, the best number is going to be 35. Probably 34 because Dak still feels like he won. Once you get down to 32 and a half, if, if I didn't think there was inside information, I think there's something I would not be shocked if there ends up being an announcement in the next couple of days where it's 32, like where the number was known. Now, again, they're only taking a small bets, but it just seems weird that when that's the range, you're going to only be 25% yeah, through the range. You know, I'd be willing to bet over 32 and a half million. I, you're right. I'm worried about the inside information, but my gut, I, you make an outstanding case for why it should be above 32 and a half and closer to 35. And I'd be willing to bet it over. Over, yes. Yeah. I mean, I like the over, too. I'm saying it's it's holding me back. I tell you this, though. 
I'd be willing. This is an example. If it's all about half points or half, you know, millions, I would go under. If someone gave me thirty four point nine, I would go under strong. I think the Cowboys can't go over thirty five and feel like they won. But Dak knows that that forty is a game. So thirty four, he's dancing. So my gut feeling is it's kind of weird to say this. What kind of odds would you give me if I said between thirty two point five? And 34.9. So I'm saying there's a 2.4 million spread. So let's be honest. This could be 28. <laughs> it could, right? And it, yeah. and it could be. I'll, I'll break it down. So I think there's about a 45% chance it's below 32.5 million. All right. All right. That's 45. And there's about a 30% chance. I mean, about tw- only about a 25% chance it's above 35. So it's 45 and 25. That's 70. There's about a, so a 30% minute, so, so what, 30% chance it, was, it lands in the middle there. So you, when you were saying it was 34.5 million, which was yesterday, you're thinking that was should have been like minus 200 on the under. Because you just said it was like... Well, a, there's new information since the number wait. dropped, yeah. yeah. But again, we're assuming this market means sure, anything. Sure. So you're saying you'd give me plus 300? Thirty percent. So I'd give you. Oh, 30. I'd give you up like plus two thirty. Sure. Faz is always oh trying God. to chit you, man. He's something else. <laughs> I mean, literally, I like I'm saying oh, I'll take little... a little sliver yeah. out of there. He's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you know, plus two forty. <laughs> I mean, you know, you would think you'd soften him up a little bit with all the compliments. I just think it enables him. Like when I when I beat him up, he gets timid. He makes bad bets. Now that he's confident. It feels like his true alpha predator nature comes yeah, out. Yeah, I agree. Is it, you agree? Yep. Kids stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine running, jet flag, son of a gun. I mean, get fast, right, round up, look out. All right, Andrew Luck. I guess all we need to say here is game week one off the board, game one, season win off the board. Yeah, so I went to sleep last night. And, guy, you know, sometimes I get up at, like, 5 in the morning, RJ, but I didn't do it this morning. So I slept in. And then I get start getting texts. Can you? Well, first off, you didn't sleep in. All right? I would say you wake up before 6 less than 15% of the time. Fair enough. So you don't sleep in if something happens 85% of the time. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> But oh, he's getting yeah. all rowdy. Yeah. My phone, my phone's lighting up with the text. Were you able to get down? Do you, you get some chargers? You get some under ten? I'm like, what are they talking about? So as it turns out, it's no certainty that Luck is going to play in Week One because the calf injury has become a high ankle injury as well, and there's a lot of um, new information that's coming out from the medical staff of the Colts. But the bottom line is that the game got pulled. The Week One line the, uh, on the game. The Chargers are no longer laying three. It's off the board in almost all places. The Colts' season win number last night was 10 wins. Today, it's impossible to find the books have pulled it off. So all that means is it might be because of the history of Andrew Luck and injuries uh, with rolling disclosure, as they call it. It might be what I've been ranting and raving about on Fox, which is we don't believe. All right? Now, like, if, like how, where does it, fit on the naivete scale of, you know, Colts said it's no problem, so I believe him. 
Like a child, even Johnny at eight wouldn't believe it. <laughs> so I mean, these these guys have lied to us so often. 2017 with the labrum, with the shoulder, we kept here. Oh, not a big I'm problem. I'm talking about all NFL. I'm yeah. girly. Yep. And that to me is a problem. If you can't believe what the team's saying, but there's betting on it, it's a problem. Mm, good point. So Eli and Daniel Jones, GM comes out, blah blah blah. We want Eli to play. Well, of course you want your starter to do well, right? But we gave a prop out right here. You did. My thinking was, hey, Eli, based on history, and I'm just going by memory here, I think the last two years he had 19 and 20. It was 21 two years ago, and I'm going by memory. Brad's looking it up. 19 last year touchdown passes. The over-under was 18 and a half. So I'm thinking 18 and a half sounds right. Just with his age. Even if he plays 16 games. Yeah. I mean, just with a natural progression. I think, you know, you're close to 50-50 at that number. Then I thought, well, what's the odds that one, he gets injured, which he hasn't been prone to that, but he is older. Go ahead. Yeah, you're right. 19 and 21 last two years. Why do you seem like you're like chagrined? No, not. I'm impressed. <laughs> well, Brad can pull those numbers out better than me. But the fact of the matter is, I thought it's probably 50-50 at 18 and a half if he plays all 16 games. Chance he gets injured. But I think it was a hell of a chance. Even if he's playing decent, you get to game 11 and you're not in the playoff hunt, you gotta let your you know, your first round rookie play. Playoff hunt? This team's gonna be lucky to win five games. Now, their, their season win number is you never six. Know. But yeah, it's likely that the Giants are gonna have a, a tough year. Alright, so now it went to 17 and a half you know, in a day or two, I'm not going to be like Brad and say I moved the line, <laughs> but you know, decide for yourself. Ace Rothstein was a hell of a handicapper. I can tell you that. I was so good that whenever I bet, I could change the odds for every bookmaker in the country. Now, that's impressive if you're moving a line, but literally now it's off the board. They're saying we will not bet you at any price. Now that's a handicap. It is a handicap. Any thoughts on that, Fess? I my thought is that your bet is so good, RJ, that at, even at the seventeen and a half, not the eighteen and a half, you got. If if I could play under seventeen and a half right now with Daniel Jones looking so good in Week One of preseason, all right, small sample. I think I'd lay minus two fifty. I think oh. it's that good of a bet. In fact, I would lay minus two fifty if anyone wants to press the green button on me. No. Talking about the great one, RJ Bell. Listen, I, I'm not saying any of this. Thank you, though. Thank you, Stephen A. All right. But it's back to the idea, you know, unless I'm mistaken, Caesars was the only, I mean, there might have been some online books, but, I mean, when you get one place putting up a number and it hasn't moved, because obviously if, it's, if it gets touched up, it's a whole different story. I got to tell you, you think I'm joking with these bookies. We should come up with a challenge how, here's a question, Fez. If the Westgate, who's famous for putting up numbers, if they gave us 105, how do we want to do this? There'd be something where we get reduced juice. We do it like the outlaw line used to be, where there was a private market. You know about this, right? Where... You know, there'd be like, and this is something the Stardust did even before the lottery. The idea was, okay, I'm going to call up. VIPs, right? Yeah. And, and But guys, you trust their opinion. They're willing to only bet without, you know, let's say in today's dollars, maybe it's three dimes or something. But they figure 
We'll give him three dimes, you know, a couple people, and we'll shape these lines up before there's a run on some bad lines. Yes. I wonder if we could, because the, the Westgate, who, again, give them a lot of credit. They do put some world openers up. Most Vegas books won't do any of that. They put up those lines on Thursday for next week, right? Or is it Wednesday or Thursday? I think it's it's either Tuesday or Wednesday. Mm, I don't think it's Tuesday, but okay. It's probably Wednesday. Then. All right, so, and give them credit, right? What are they taking, a dime on those? They take three. Three, okay. Give them even more credit. Two dimes on games of the year, three dimes on that look ahead lines for the next week. But I tell you this, when I look at those openers, and again, we just got to get the discipline to get down there, I guess is the, the point. There's two or three games a week that just, it's crazy. Wouldn't you say, I mean, it's like, it's like, I would bet, if the bet was closing line value, I think we'd hit 85%. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and part of that, I think, is that the West... Again, let's give them credit. They've got to put up 16 games. We're only trying to pick them off, you know, with a handful. A- absolutely. And I think sometimes they're a little bit too sharp for their own good, where they'll take a situation that's favorable well, for a team. First of all, you can't be too sharp right. for your own good. They'll make an over-adjustment for what they'll say. Oh, this is like an under-the-radar situation, situational spot that's really good for this team. But then instead of moving the line one point, they'll move it like two and a half. For, so they'll over-adjust for special situations sometimes. And let's give them credit. And I don't know, and to me, it feels like that what they're doing the week before is their brain trust, which, again, I think is as talented as any in Vegas collectively. There's some talent there. Versus when they put up the super contest lines and shade them, those things are deadly. Like, I hate, there's never a shade that I like. It's You're looking at the five picks and you're saying, oh, at least I'm going to get San Fran plus seven. It's always six and a half. Always. And, and... It's like I get it if it was minus one twenty five to the you know to the dog, but it's not. It's it's they just see where the they know or they have a good idea where the line's moving by the time they put those babies up. Exactly. They don't have any idea the week before, and I guess my question would be, how many games would we be willing to bet? I guess at even money, it wouldn't make any sense because unless we bet them all, that's interesting. Would you be willing to bet every game for a thousand at even money against their number? Be willing to bet ten thousand if every All right, because you're thinking is worst case you're going to be fifty fifty. Right. Now that's interesting. You'd be willing to bet every game at ten thousand because sometimes they're going to be wrong. I think. can pick fifty point oh one percent. So we got to think of a challenge because here's the given: no one's going to take it if we mm. even if we make it fair because these bookies don't want to say it. But they're going to say it with their acquiesce of no is <laughs> that they don't really know what they're doing. Right. Now, there's certain guy, and let, let me be super clear, as handicappers, as batters, there's very few bookies, if they could be Fezzik, wouldn't be Fezzik. Just, I promise you, if you ever sat in on one of the, um, some middle management meeting at a casino, you don't want to be there. And doesn't mean there's not a given sport they can't be. Usually they have their favorite sport. You know, they got a golf guy that is, knows golf. Man, I wouldn't want to book his golf. But that's one thing, right? They know how to book. They know how to make be cockroaches, no doubt about that. But they're not professional better level batters, or they would be batting. Agreed? Agreed. So they, but hey, they're not saying, in a way, you could say they're not saying they are, but they are. 
by presenting themselves as experts. And then, quite frankly, whenever a guy like Faz or a batter gets attention, it's like, wait a minute, what, has he ever been behind the counter? It's like, like that's a redeeming thing. If you, <laughs> that means it means that you had days that you literally couldn't win enough to not be behind the counter, right? Right. It's like a poker player saying, "You've never dealt." <laughs> I mean, the worst thing you can ever do, like the shame of shame, for a professional poker player, is when he has to become a dealer, and then he's going around and seeing all the people he played with. <laughs> oh my god, you've seen that before, haven't you, yeah. Fez? I mean, it's like you can feel their soul just seeping out. And again, it's no, sh I mean, I guess it's a shame if you're trying to be a professional and it's, a, but it's just human, right? Some people's going to win some, but I tell you, by definition, a bookie is a failed batter, right? Now, I think there's occasional cases that the risk tolerance is the issue, that they could win. You know, you talk about Steven Nova, pregame.com pro. He's about as sharp as they come with fantasy stuff. Would you agree? Oh, with no question. In the NFL. No question. But he never makes hardly – he makes small money from it because he's got a low risk tolerance. Yes. And I think it's fair that there's certain bookies. I think Nick Bondonovich – I don't know about his risk tolerance, but I think Nick's so sharp, I'm not anxious to take his action, you know. So – and I'm not saying there's no one else, but there's some sharp guys out there. It's kind of funny that Nick's at William Hill, which has such a bad rep when it comes to, you know, sharps or whatever. But – I don't think, and how do I know what, you know, listen, uh, Art Manteras today, the idea that he's grinding through college basketball teams just is absurd, right? But do I really know how sharp Bookmaker XYZ is? No. But what I know is I, I have a good idea what the life of a bookmaker is. And it, it's a, it's not fun. I mean, it's not even close to being a professional batter. Yeah, you know, and we're all motivated by different things, you know. And no, 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 no. Almost everyone's motivated by money. Well, I'll, I'll use Steven Nover as an example. I honestly feel if you asked him, would you rather win $1,000 straight betting on props or win your fantasy football eight-man league $50 buy-in? So that's only $400. Which would you rather have? I think you'd rather get the title. I'm not saying people don't have blind spots or don't uh, fetishize certain things, but in general, people are saying, how painful is this and how much money am yeah, I making? Sure. That's the human calculation. I agree. And what, the bo what bookmakers are saying, I will sit through having to handle this guy, this ticket writer, smoking marijuana in the <laughs> bathroom and me having to deal with it and go to HR and I'll handle everyone but Steve went back in the day bitching at me, meaning he was the understandable uh, casino owner in theory. Vaccaro had a lot of freedom at the Mirage. But otherwise, it's a big corporation saying, why do we lose? Right? Not that month, but that day. Yeah. <laughs> or would you rather sit and bet? Rather bet. Come on. Right? But those guys, again, I sat here for a few minutes talking about my limitations. If all they did was say, listen, I know more 99.99% of people but some of those betters out there, boy, when they bet three dimes, I'm moving that freaking line. And, oh, by the way, that Fezzik, I don't let him bet. Or I only let him bet once a day. You don't hear that, do you? No, you don't. But, again, in today's day and age, the truth wins. Right? It just takes a while sometimes. Okay. We had some theory stuff. We're going to wait on that. I think it's just best bets from here, right? Let's do it. All right. So we're going to do one. Now, this one, I'm going to make this a very entertaining commercial break, but one commercial break, and then 
We got best bets. Hooey. It's heating up, baby. Football's coming. Speaking of the rest of summer, though, Raycon. Now, everybody needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. I mean, let's be honest. There's nothing sadder than some guys moving into his 30s, his 40s, his 50s, and he's just out of it. Like, he, you hand him a phone, or he's got a phone, he's squinting, he's got the phone, like, really far from his face. He's saying, what's FaceTime? I mean, that's not a good look. Well, what is part of the look when it comes to being the opposite of out of it? Being in. <laughs> not like Flynn, in. It's those earbuds. Now, you can go to Apple, pay the big money, but for half, 50% of the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, Raycon, and they sound just as amazing, co-founded by Ray J. Now, if you don't know who Ray J is, that's part of your problem. So these earbuds are going to help. Also, Snoop Dogg, you know him for sure, already obsessed. Now, some of the things about other premium earbuds is some are boring looking and some are too ostentatious. Right? What do you want? What's the ideal? Stylish and discreet. And that's what Raycon goes for. Stylish and discreet. So get 15% off your order. So here's how you take advantage. Go to buyraycon.com slash bell. Get 15% off your order. That's B-U-I-R-A-Y-C-O-N. So at buyraycon.com slash Bell, B-E-L-L, 15% off wireless earbuds. You've been eyeing a pair. Now is the time to get an amazing deal by Raycon.com slash Bell. Speaking of the season, August football around the corner. Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get in the action now. With best ball, you draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. You don't need to do a single thing once you've drafted your team. Each week, the top-scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. Forget about that time commitment. No waiver wire, trades, or adding or dropping players. No having to make that tough start or sit decisions. Focus on the best part of fantasy football, the draft. And let's be honest, I can get to be a bit much. If you love that stuff, it's there. This is a new option. It's focused on the draft, and it's about the fun. It's about the action, about the chance to win. You can play for free or play for cash. But most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Join A-League today. Just go to yahoo.com slash best ball. B-S-T-B-A-L-L. That's yahoo.com slash best ball. Coming soon to the Yahoo Fantasy app. Finally, a question we ask ourselves in our business daily. What is the value of information? Because what I can tell you for sure is if you bet, it's much more than if you don't. And one of the things I always liked with the poker books is it'd be like 50 bucks, right? That's a pretty expensive. But then they'd put a poker chip 
around the price. So it's the price says $50, but it's a poker chip up in the right corner. And you think, wait a minute. That's like one, you know, however you want to think about it. Even if you're playing one, two, that's one value bet at the end. If you pick up one value bet, this book's worth it. Well, think about betting. If you just picked up one extra winner a month, how much is that worth? Well, the athletic is partnering with the Dream Preview, and they're offering a special. Now, this is obviously the company that has spent massive money on talent. Best writers, even an ESPN, is struggling to keep up with this talent acquisition. What does it mean to you? It means if you're willing to pay this nominal fee, this small amount, if information is worth anything to you, you need to have access to The Athletic. First, there's a special offer with this partnership. It's theathletic.com slash dream preview. You do that, 40% off a yearly subscription. Now, remember, this is case sensitive, so it's theathletic.com slash dream preview, all one word, all lowercase. Now you're paying that $2.99 a month with this discount. What are you gaining? You're gaining information you can't get anywhere else. And also you're gaining no ads, no pop-ups, no autoplay videos. And let's be honest, that is frustrating. It's the information. You're paying one way or the other. Like the famous scene in St. Elmo's Fire, remember? Walking in, Andrew McCarthy, you're paying one way or the other. It's either with your time, your aggravation, or it's a couple of bucks a month, literally less than one coffee. And remember, imagine if just the whole year you gain a single winner extra. It's going to be worth it. Theathletic.com slash dream preview. Get that special 40% off. Speaking of great information, back to the show. Okay, we mentioned it next week. Maddie Holt in studio and his nemesis, Uncle Dave Esler. He's been winning since Moses was in short pants. Think about that for a minute. By the way, the plan is we're going to do both a Tuesday and Wednesday pod. Big college football preview, big NFL preview. So subscribe. We're not sure, but if you're not subscribed, if you're listening right now, you're not subscribed, you are making a mistake. And if you have multiple players, subscribe multiple times. It helps us on the numbers. It doesn't hurt you at all. All right. Search RJ Bell, subscribe, dream preview. That's this. And straight out of Vegas. Don't got to listen every day. But if you want a quick 40 minutes of what's happening, woo wee. Speaking of woo wee. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. I want to start an annual tradition, Brad, is once a year, every football season, at some point in August, yep. I'm going to want you to explain to the audience to the degree that you've evolved to love Blossom. Because the thing is... <laughs> I thought I did that. Uh, you did, but, but here... No, 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 no. It was yeah. about a year ago. Here's the thing. <laughs> you would think I've done it already. Yeah. But that's the thing. Blossom is like almost like a bottomless... It's almost like a, the universe. 
you ever stop anyone smoking right now, <laughs> this is the time, is how big is the universe? I can't even comprehend how big it is. Because if you say the word big, that implies there's an end to it. Yeah. But what is, what, what is that end? Is it a wall? I mean, die. don't know, dude. Nah, I don't know. I'm no well, kidding. that's Blossom. <laughs> is you think you love that song as much as you can, and then you love it more. <laughs> so, again, we'll have once a year kind of a check-in. So share your thoughts. Well, I mean, I went from the start. Ugh, I was like, I don't know. Now, do you see in hindsight that was your insecure masculinity? Yeah, I agree with that. I like, was like, why would a man want to listen to this? But not only is growing on me, I like it. I'm borderline love it at this point. I probably liked it last year uh -huh. after hating it the first year. And now it's almost, you know, a love thing. You do have, I mean, let's be candid. There's probably a biological response when you hear the song. There is, and it's positive. Yeah. Well, like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is, is there's this, you know, we have these, uh, I always mispronounce this word, limptic. Uh, <laughs> sounds like something else. Is where it's, <laughs> it's at the level, it's at the level of your brain. It's not your conscious brain. Yeah. Right? Like when, you're, when your mouth waters. Yep. You're having a response, and it's not sexual. It's a response of, like, comfort, of this is... Like, it's, I mean, think about what music is. It's arranging these random things, these notes into something that makes you feel something. Mm. And, and I'm no musician, but Blossom makes you feel something. And it's good. It's funny. If I'm like, you know, 30 years from now, if I hear that, I wonder what I'm thinking. <laughs> you're thinking, RJ, I mean, I'm living in this mansion because <laughs> RJ is what you're thinking. I love Go. it. All right, we're going to go. We're only a couple weeks away now from week one. I'm going week one college football, and I'm going to go with Florida State. Oh, wait, wait, hold on a second. Was this your way of not getting heat? Because I always tell Fezzi does too many week yeah, ones. But I've go, done like 10 season win totals. All right, go ahead. All right, let me go with Florida State minus five over Boise State. Here's where I think the mispricing is. Florida State's off their worst season in four-plus decades. First losing season since 1976. Up arrow. This is a team that's going to buy in now in year two under head coach Willie Taggart. A very experienced team, 16 returning starters. That's mispricing number one. Mispricing number two, Boise State has to replace a four-year starting quarterback, and there's a good chance that Boise State's going to be making a true freshman start his very first game here. That's mispricing number two. Finally, mispricing number three here. This game is played in Jacksonville, Florida. And a quick update of the ticket sales so far. Florida State sold over 30,000 tickets. Boise State's sold less than 3,000 tickets. 90% plus of the crowd's going to be Florida State. I don't think that's being properly priced in the marketplace. Add it all up. Knowles roll. They'll be motivated. Florida State minus five. Knowles roll. Did you have that planned? No. Just natural. Yeah, You're natural. You see me? I wasn't even reading notes. That was a good presentation, and Brad. All, you know, I, it, it was exceptional and all that heat and humidity in Jacksonville probably favors the team from Florida State, Tallahassee, right? I agree. Great stuff. Brad Powers on Twitter. It's Brad Powers 7. Now, we know that, he's, that, that we got two times on record he's cried. So Ooh, I, I think you missed a third. Oh, another one? Yeah, you missed him. What did I say? He was out on straight out of Vegas, and I admitted to crying. What was it, Fez? Damn it. 
I'm sorry, was did not archive that. All right, memories. I'll think of it. But He's we really have three saying, now. Unless you're talking about me, I hardly listen. Yeah, that's true. But there's a third now. Why are you crying? Why are you crying? <laughs> and I feel, feel oh. the, end of field of dreams. I always cry at the end of field of dreams. Always, so it's not just once. It's no, I've cried time. at least five times at the end of that movie. All by yourself in your apartment. Yep. Do you ever look at the phone and wonder who you could reach out to and realize mm. nobody? That's yeah. I, <laughs> I can't. I mean, it's always the part when he's playing catch with his dad, and I don't feel like calling up my dad and crying. I just don't do roll that way. But were you real close with your dad, or are you? Yeah, we used to. I mean, that's what we used to do. I mean, but that was the only thing. <laughs> we I didn't do much. I mean, I, we were poor, so we just play catch. But like every day, did you feel like your dad was paying attention to you? I would say we'd play catch at least four or five times a week. From what age to what age? I would say from probably six to twelve. Wow! And you were like, I mean, five five now. So, jeez, <laughs> you I, were like, I was like three four, five. You were like three eleven, <laughs> and you were trying. Like, were you just like five feet apart, or how far away? No, we we're far. Oh, oh, you had a good arm, huh? Yeah, fifteen yards maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Fez. He's just got the sheet of paper up. Like, when's my turn? Go ahead, Fez. No, I, <laughs> I was actually. Talking, thinking about my son and I, we throw the football back and forth. I do. We got to get video of that. He's not. He's not going to be a future NFL player. I'm thinking about you. I can throw the ball. Come on. I can still Ooh, spin I it. <laughs> spin it. You never spun it. All right, Fez. Go. I'm bringing a football. Yeah. All right, Saturday night we will bring the football. We'll have some fun with that. We're going to go with the Indianapolis Colts minus three against the Cleveland Browns. We talked about it. We always looked it back. An 0-1 team straight up against a 1-0 team. And that trend is 104 60 and 62 since 1994 against the spread. But I actually like the situations in this game as well. And here's what I like. Indianapolis, they were favored last week against Buffalo. They lost outright. So I have a team that was favored that got an L. So that's going to upset the coach, upset the team. They're supposed to win and they lost. And what did the Cleveland Browns do? They destroyed the Washington Redskins 30 to 10 and not only was it a blowout win, but at the end of the game, Cleveland had it a long punt return by a guy that is a big underdog to make the team. And everyone stormed out in the field with three minutes to go, and they're hugging each other, celebrating. Cleveland was so happy, so satisfied off of their week one preseason win. I think it's a big flat spot for Cleveland. Give me Indianapolis minus the three. Fast and we and let's be candid, week two. Strong suit historically for you in the preseason. Yeah, week two is my favorite of all the weeks in preseason. All right. Steve Fezzik on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports. F-E-Z-Z-I-K, that's at Fezzik Sports. There's little old me. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. And next week, we said it. I mean, it is like a Ollie Frazier, Holt Essler. The return, the rematch, no one wanted it except everybody, but them two, it's on. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday, NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. 
Jordan here. I know a lot of you create your own podcasts, and a lot of you already have one like me. I obviously love what I do. It's taken a lot of hard work to get to this point of success. You shouldn't have to pay fees for platform hosting, distribution, analytics, or fees to create a podcast. You need to be able to focus on producing the best show possible. Now, Podcast One, that's a network I'm on, they have Launchpad Digital Media, or Launchpad DM for short. So it's free, includes unlimited hosting, full control of distribution. You have access to a full dashboard with analytics. Again, totally free. You own everything, by the way. You own your content, you own your subscribers, no tricky stuff there. And you get your own show page on launchpaddm.com for people to listen to and subscribe to your show. It's the only hosting platform brought to you by the leading network, Podcast One. Podcast One will promote the site, drive people to discover your podcast. And if your show grows, you could even be invited to join Podcast One's all-star roster, which includes people like Adam Carolla, Caitlin Bristow, Shaq, Lady Gang, and of course, me, Jordan Harbinger, I'm there too. You also get access to their production and sales support. So with all this completely free, don't use other hosting platforms. Why would you need to? Learn more or sign up now at launchpaddm.com. And don't forget to check out the Jordan Harbinger Show.